Well, g'day everyone. Welcome to Big J's Place. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, I've got a bit of good news this week. I don't know if you know, I wrote and produced a feature film, Chasing Comets. We had some great Aussie actors, uh, Isabel Lucas, Peter Phelps, Dan Ewing, Reese Muldoon. We had a, a Kiwi in there as well for a bit of diversity, Stan Walker and, and Bo Ryan as well. And I sold the film to Channel 10, which I was very happy about. But also this week, to the streaming service Stan so I'm very excited about that hopefully more people get to watch it and you know Stan's so great we, we have it we uh, you know it supports local content as well um, they're really big on, on Aussie stuff so very excited by that I, I did call Netflix and you know I'm still waiting for their call back but I'm you know I'm not bitter really I'm Bitter. I am definitely bitter, but um, because I'm also a Netflix fan, but that's all good. Stan is great, so Chasing Comets will be out there soon. So if you follow us on Instagram, and we also got a Chasing Comets official Instagram, you will see the exact date that it comes on. Now, without any further ado, my next guest is a very successful radio host, who you may know from Jonesy and Amanda. He's a TV host, motorcycling enthusiast, a loyal Sharks fan. He's dabbled in the world of acting. Look... I'm going to be honest, he's not going to win an Oscar, but uh, at the same time, he won't, he won't win a Razzie either. So that's, uh, that's something positive there. And the reason he probably won't win a Razzie is because he doesn't get enough screen time to qualify for the Razzie. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. He actually holds his own in that world. He's achieved so much in the world of entertainment, but uh, his greatest achievement, I would say, is doing an ad and singing with the great, one of my favourites, Michael Bolton which I was very jealous of when I saw him doing that. It was an amazing ad. Now, if you don't know who Michael Bolton is, please turn off the podcast and never listen again because it's sacrilegious. So all you 15 people who have been listening, that's a, that's a warning for you guys. Now, Brendan Jones, welcome to Big Jay's Place. Jason Stevens. As I live and breathe. It's great to see <laughs> you. Live and breathe. How good you stole that from the office. Did I, you stole that from the office? I think I've had it. Uh, oh, it's been around. Before um, it was in the office, it was, it's been a, it's a long-held I think that was, uh, saying. Yeah, that was... Um, Gareth Keenan. Uh, Gareth. When he yeah. <laughs> as I live and Garth. breathe. Garth. Gareth, Gareth. Yeah. Gareth. Yeah. Dawn, Dawn Tinsley, Tinsley. As I live and breathe. <laughs> yeah. Are you an office fan? <laughs> I'm a massive office fan. And I saw it pretty much when it came out. And I thought... I thought it was real. I didn't. Oh, I didn't see it with any pretense. Same, same here. Because I, it was on the ABC, mm. and I saw it, and I thought, "Oh, this is well, this guy's yeah, he's a bit of a wanker." He, like, yeah. And I just thought it was an actual documentary. Yeah. So I turned yeah. it off, and yeah. it was only later that one of my friends said, "Have you watched The Office?" Yeah. And I was like, "Oh." It was just extra. It was. It's one of my favourite series uh, ever. I, th- I thought it was so good of all time. Mm. I think it's, it's my favourite of all time. I, my daughter says, "Oh, what do you have like that English office for? What about the American one?" And I go, "Well, that's you know, t- t- you do realise that Ricky Gervais wrote the American one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I don't like the English one. She doesn't rate it. I don't understand. Really? Mm. Wow. That's 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 because I tell you, I'm, I, I, so the best advice I had was was given was watch the American one like it's a different show because yeah. oh, the American one's not without merit but oh it's great but but I actually think The Office is the, is the best series yeah. of, of all time I think my favourite one out of all of them is the Christmas special The Office Christmas I, I shed a tear every time yeah, I watch I do it. I, yeah. I just, it's just so you know the bit at the end with Lee and you know that, and it's just <laughs> when, and, Dawn, when Dawn, Dawn and, 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 and uh, uh, Tim. Tim yeah and you just think <laughs> It's just so great, yeah. You know, because because uh, uh, obviously I've I've watched all the extras and of that, and and uh, they didn't really realise how how potent that love story was yeah. when they were filming it. They didn't yeah. really realise how how much it was going to play into it. Mm. But uh, 
Yeah, and it was and and it was just so well cast. You know, Lee Dawn's boyfriend. You know, he had that hint of menace about him. He wasn't oh, yeah. really into her, and Tim was sort of a sensitive, funny, but a funny guy, and he really carried a torch for her. And you know, and working in that, you know, it gives you a perspective about what what it's like to work in an office job. And you think, oh, you know, what am I doing this? What am I doing this for? Yeah, because I was an accountant when I uh, really. Oh yeah, I'm qualified. I I uh, I studied at University of New South Wales and then worked at Ernst and Young, and um, I I had that office experience def- definitely. Uh, the different personality types. I mean, I was rushing off to training. I was playing at with St George at the time. I was playing uh, uh, first grade, but um, so I I didn't I guess experience in its fullest, but. Definitely had enough of, of the office life. And uh, actually, a funny story was that uh, Brian Smith, who was my coach at the Dragons at the time, he we used to have playbooks because he was very influenced by the, the US, mm. uh, the NFL and, and so forth. So we all had playbooks to read and study. And and uh, I left my... I used to... Whilst I was supposed to be auditing at, at uh, Ernst & Young, I left the play... I was reading the playbooks, I'll be honest. Uh, still charging clients, of course, by the hour. But then <laughs> I left the playbook in the um, in, in one of the manuals. Right. We were auditing A&P at the time. And I got a call several years later. And they said, is this your playbook? A&P called me. <laughs> that was... They had the best season that year, <laughs> AMP. They killed it. <laughs> but with The Office, have you... Have, with Ricky Gervais' and stuff, mm. have you... Um, are you an extras fan as well? Are you I love a- extras. Uh, and once again, I love the one that whenever I get sort of uh, take for granted what I've got radio-wise, I watch the Christmas episode of Extras. Oh, yes. Uh, just where that bit where he loses touch oh, with... In the Big Brother house. Yeah. And, 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 he, was- and he's got that thing where he... Um, and sometimes, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees, but there'll be a lot of times when you think, you know, I, you, you don't... I've been doing this for 30 years, radio now, mm. and I've, I've always loved it so much. But there's sometimes when you think, oh... You know why haven't I got this, or you know why aren't I getting offered this? You know, and then yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, like you know, I live in a nice house. I've, I've got you know more motorbikes than I need. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's when you have to have a big cup of perspective. Yeah, I, I think, and that, I find that always. I watch it at Christmas time. It's it always feels that I get, and I'm I'm grateful. I go, the the uh, Christmas time, I go, yeah, great, this is good. I'm lucky. I'm a lucky person. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the themes that he touched on. That, that that's one of them, mm. and also the, the the world of celebrity and the lust for fame, and, and yeah, he, he he's very vocal about that world. Well, I've seen it. it. It's interesting. When I started in radio, I believe it or not, I had uh, I, I had a lot of I, I was a bit stage had a lot of stage fright. I didn't like being on stages. I'm not a show off yeah. type person, and I by no you know it would take radio. I liked because you get on the microphone and you don't have to get up in front of people. And I remember one time when I first started out. And I was working at Western Australia at 6KA there. They had uh, Ostentatious was coming to town. And they said, Look, they need an MC. It's uh, 200 bucks, which back then was pretty good. Mm. You know, we we're getting 200 bucks a week. This is just for one, one mm. night. And I said, Oh, great. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. I was so nervous about it. And they said, Oh, you, can, you, you don't have to come out on stage. You just stand behind the. the Austin. Austin doesn't want anyone on stage. He just wants a voiceover guy. And I went, Oh, even better. Sweetest gig in the world. So I, I don't know where the line blurred for me as far as I, I, I don't mind performing, but I certainly don't seek it out now. You know, it's not. This is coming from a guy that's been on a but national been a, dancing show. Yeah. And yeah. I went on and the real full, well. And the real full Monty and nude it up. Oh, yeah. And also, um, <laughs> yeah, and hosted, uh, hosted TV shows. I, did, as I hosted well. a show called Australia's Greatest Footy Fan. Yes. Uh, for Foxtel. That was, a, uh, uh, that was an AFL show. 
which I wasn't much of a fan of, so I had to host this show. It was about the fans, and it was pretty much an ad for Hungry Jacks. <laughs> but, but also... Uh the motorcycle show. Oh, yeah, Temporary Australians. Well. Yeah, Tem- yeah, I yeah, saw that, that as well. Uh, so. And uh, and there was another one. World, World movies. This is when I went on SBS. Uh, it was called Off the Record, and it was like a, a music show. So, but with that, with the fame thing, do you, do you find like because you've got you've got kids as well? Mm. And that, do, do you have you found that have they struggled with that? You know, the notoriety, wanting notoriety, not 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 wanting to pay the price for, or do you see that in the, in, in the next generation that uh, comes up? Not maybe not specifically with your kids, but just people trying to get mm. into radio and so forth. And well, my kids don't; they they have no interest in doing this. You know, the the media or doing anything like that, and they've, they've never been into the whole cult of celebrity, uh, which is which is good. I do find that you know we live in a, a, a kind of married at first sight world now. Mm. You know where there's I don't know when that show first started. I mean, and I've watched it since the get go, and I the people were had you know, altruistic reasons to go on the show, be married, and find their chosen one. Now it just seems to be as how many Instagram followers uh, you yeah. can get. Yeah, and they get an extraordinary amount of them. Extraordinary, mm. and and what uh, can frustrate me a little is the fact that then. It's rewarded. Yes, you know, I mean, it's really rewarded by TV networks, by, by uh, you know, sponsors, by that, you know, in a sense. And and sometimes I I do struggle with the message that that it's because you know how hard it has been to have worked in to have gotten your gig in radio. Yeah, know, from from your days at Bankstown, from. The old community do- radio, does, community yeah. radio, from doing the regional yeah. stuff to to uprooting and so forth, and and you know you pay a price, you pay, you paid that price to to yeah. I think I've never seen with those guys though the people that are on those reality shows. That's as far as they go though. They might get a lot but of sometimes insta- they sometimes they they they've got gigs. They've got oh, yeah, gigs. They, I don't see them hosting. It. There's no one really. I, I think like people that I know. Off the top of my head, that have made a fair fist of it would be you know uh, Fitzy from Fitzy. Yeah, Ripper. yeah, yeah. I see who's on Big Brother, and I, you know I'm at a loss to think of anyone else. Oh, Chrissy Swan, she Chrissy was a Big Swan. Brother. I think Sam Frost. Who's Sam Frost? Away. Actually, yeah. Sam Frost has done very well. I, you know, I I really felt for her when she went to Today FM because she was 26, and it was like getting me at 26. Uh, and comparatively, I would have been at two and him in Musselbrook, and just getting me a twenty-six-year-old just throwing me straight onto a capital city oh, and, yeah. and in the biggest market in biggest Australia. Market. Yeah, up against you guys, Colin. Jack yeah, Bay, like she, just the poor thing, and she had no idea about radio. And she and we would see her at interviews. I'd see her and Rove, and I'd say, "How's she going?" She said, "I have no idea what what I'm doing." I said, "Well, people like you, you know." Mm. And I've, I watched her at home and away. I think she's great. I think she's a real natural. Yeah, she's improved actress, you know. But it's weird. She went on The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the strange. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's the strange thing. She had a heartbroken by Blake Garvey, and was, was it Blake Garvey? It was. <laughs> and you know, well, I've got to say, had, had a very good voice. voice. Very good Whoa. voice for radio. I always thought, wow, he's got a good. When, voice. Whenever we got him on, I'd always go, "Hey, Blake, how are you?" It was like it's like talking to Russell Crowe. You had to really drop it down a bit <laughs> to sound to sound better. But his voice was extraordinary. It was, it mm. was. I think he moved into real estate. Well, they something. all move into real Everyone estate. I'm going to move into real estate. estate. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Mate, uh, uh, we, we should just keep going, but sure. I do have some questions. No, give, um, give me some questions. No, no, no. I, I really want to just keep going. With I love your set up here, by the way. I, I, don't have, oh, I know you. this is a, a, not a visual medium, but Jay's got in Jay's place... Big Jay's place, but so Big Jay's place. <laughs> so you haven't got any signing. So 
But in Big Jake's place, you've got a, a desk and you've got buttons and, you know. Yeah, and that's about it. It's, and this, can I do this? What's, what's this? Oh. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And that's, that's because we're getting no laughs. Keep it down. We're in coronavirus time. Jay. You know what? Did just you know that? that? I don't know how to turn that off now. Hey, pull that faded out. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I was thinking because the footy's coming on. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's no atmosphere when you're watching it. It's strange, isn't it? And I was thinking, can they do like a laughter track? Can they do like crowd? Yeah. Because I think that they're thinking of doing it in the States. They're, they're doing it in, a, uh, I think they did it over in Belarus or yeah. somewhere like that. Or the yeah. Koreans have an idea with the, the cheering. Yeah, and also the, I think they were going to put like... Um, not some type of signage of people in the, yeah. Like, like in, well, the in, Koreans yeah. have used blow up adult doll, dolls, <laughs> Korean right. sex dolls. Well, it's not that kind of a show. But uh, yeah. No, it's not. But that, that's what they've done. <laughs> I, I don't know. And, they, and then they've apologised. They said, "But we've got them clothed, <laughs> right. and we've put masks on them." I don't know. That's, that's the Koreans. <laughs> Mate, what was your first concert? First concert, Radiators, Carrying Bar Inn, Radiators, uh, and I was seventeen. And I, I managed to sneak in to... I suppose that's my first pub concert. I did see Australian Crawl, the final wave show, down at Maruya Speedway. And I would have been... Actually, that probably officially my youngest. Uh, at my youngest was that. Was that. But and my first pub concert was that. I could have gone to Kiss, to go and see Kiss in 1980. And it was going to happen. And my brother and I had a punch-up. And we fell over in the land room and broke the glass table. So mum said, right, that's it, no, no, no kiss. kiss. And I think dad was very relieved because we were 12 and he was going to have to take us both along to the, the concert. So he was pleased that we didn't have to go. Is that weird now that you get the interview? Yeah, it's like, kind of, and I've seen Kiss many times. I, I think I've seen, and I never imagined that I would ever get to see Kiss. And then I saw them in 96 when they had their Kiss and makeup or when they yeah. got, but well, I don't think it was called Kiss and Makeup, but they, mm. they came back with makeup on. And they were extraordinary then. I think, I, and then I saw them on an annual basis. And then I think they ran out of gas because they got I, they just got a bit too uh, indulgent with their album tracks. And they, and I'm a massive Kiss tra- mm, tragic, mm. but there were some songs from the Elder album and uh, you know Lick It Up album that no one never need hear again. <laughs> and they were playing those. And Paul Stanley would just talk for ages in the show. And I think oh, I'm you know I'm Did pretty. You? Did you have the bubblegum cards? Yeah, I, I had. Uh, um, I've got a Kiss Pez dispensers at home, <laughs> and <laughs> and I had a Kiss pencil case. You know, when you got into the uh, the camera in, was it because back in the day we had paper paper license licenses? Yeah, yeah. So we, um, I went up there and the radios and radios were playing. I was so nervous, and I stood in the queue, and I had my my library card from school as my license. And I, because I had my driver's license back, but I didn't want to mess with that. So I'd written, I'd born, was born in 1965, which would have got me in. And then the bouncer standing there and he said, okay, you, yep, yep, where's your paper, mate? To the guy in front of me. The guy goes, I haven't got it. Out you go. And he goes, okay, you blokes go in. And we all just walked in. And seeing Carrying Bar Inn for the first time at that age, and this is when Carrying Bar Inn was just the height of it. It was one of the great beer barns. So it wasn't Australia. called Coyotes then? No, it was pre-Coyotes. It was just, oh. I, I just think it was just Carrying Bar Inn. Yeah. And the room was smoky and smelled of beer and the roof was like, it was such a fire hazard. It was the worst fire hazard. <laughs> and the whole crowd was white. There was not one person of any other, any other <laughs> denomination there. And it was like 
flannelette shirt from as far as the eye could see and just swaying to the radiators. And I remember just singing along to I wish that they, I was 17 again and I'd just turned 17. That's so funny. I was just so it was the greatest concert ever. What about your first crush? Oh, uh, I think it was, uh, it would have been a girl called Tiffany and it was my next door neighbour, Louise, who I, I had a, well, we were just very good friends, but she came around and, and, and Tiffany was very... Oh, Tiffany the singer. This, no, 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 oh, no, no, it's a girl oh. just called Tiffany. Oh, just are, you talking, are you talking about famous people? It's normal. Sorry, people? because you're saying Louise and then Tiffany. No, <laughs> no so Louise's, uh, sorry, Louise's friend Tiffany. Came oh, Louise's friend yeah. Tiffany. Because yeah. of course Tiffany was, I think we're alone now. Yeah, she was, a, yeah. Which was, she would was have been cutie. a bit weird. She was a bit too young for me back then. I, I think it would, by the time she got onto the scene, I had... I think I had a child. <laughs> First job? First job. Uh, I worked at uh, Dolan's Bay Marina, a marina, as a, um, uh, like, just helping the guy up, or h- helping him around the place, and then a fire went through the place a week later, so I lost it. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, the big Dolan's Bay Marina. Yeah. I wasn't me. But yeah, no, no, no. And the guy no. said, oh, you know, you just come along here and help me out, and you know, I'll pay you 20 bucks a week, and I thought it was the greatest job in the world, and then it caught fire. What about your most embarrassing moment? Uh, other than stripping up on the TV. I didn't do that. They asked me to do it. I couldn't yeah. do it. You know, it's hard. I, I just thought... You know, my most embarrassing moment for mind is from that story. From that, yeah. Well, because what happened, and, and it was it had nothing to do with the nudity. So Channel 7, uh, my agent said, look, they want you to go on the show. And I said, look, can you guys... I just want something decent. I don't want to, I don't want to nude up. I don't want to go on... <laughs> you know, Australian... What is this? What's that show? Jungle show? The agents oh. will ring me once a year. Do you want to, and I said, I don't, I, look, I've done a reality show. I don't yeah, want, yeah, yeah. I don't want to eat a bug. I don't want to. I don't need to <laughs> express my feelings. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to do, do that to Warwick Cap. You know, talk to Warwick Cap and become buddies <laughs> with him. I, I just don't want to do that. And uh, so I had to meet. So my agent Beverly, she always goes, "Oh, Brendan, why don't you go and meet with them?" Uh, there's another show though that Channel Seven were interested in. It was called Two Minute News. So it was this show where I I was the host and. You had a co-host, and each of the news stories had to be discussed within two minutes, and that was up on the screen. So it was like on the TAB. It's a bit like what Charlie Pickering's doing oh, now yeah, 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 yeah. with the weekly. So, we, and we did it, and I, and I just loved the show. And and they said, "Look, if you," my agent said, "if you are agreeable to the real full Monty, they'll be, you know, they'll be agreeable for other stuff in the future, i.e., two-minute news." So I went along for this meeting, and I thought I was in the meeting for two-minute news. So having this coffee. And then I'm saying to him, I've seen the show. It's fantastic. And the lady, Geraldine, is lovely. She said, really? I said, I think it's so good. <laughs> she was surprised. And she was from the real Full Monty. <laughs> she said, really? Oh, I, I thought you'd be a bit resistant to it. And I said, no, not at all. I, I think it's great and I can't wait to be on it. And she said, oh, okay, well, that's great. And uh, how do you feel about the content? And I said, the content is fantastic. That's in fact, I don't think it goes far enough. <laughs> And she said, well, how far would you go? And I said, I'd go all the way. And she said, well, you, you, you're going all the way. And I went, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, just, I think we can go further. And she said, well, we'll just keep it as it is. This, in, this goes for about half an hour. That's fine. Of this to and fro. And then I said, you know, and I, I, she said, so have you seen the English version? I said, no, I've only seen the American version. And she goes, there's an American version? And, and I said... <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching it, <laughs> guys, and it's adapted to baseball. And she said the real Formonti, and I said, and then it dawned on me. It dawned on me, and that was 
And then I just felt. How did you backtrack there? Uh, was did the you fess up? I just said, oh, "I'm sorry." You know, I just, I, I just thought that <laughs> we were talking about two minute news. And then she said, "What's two minute news?" And I went, "And oh, because I've been sworn to secrecy." <laughs> so, I have an embarrassing moment probably once a week, easily. You know, it could be anything, but well, that's the most. That was a good one. That was a good one. Favorite movie? Uh, I'd have to be Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, Shawshank Redemption. And then chasing comments. I was oh, it's chasing yeah. comments. Well, what a- I, I'm happy for it to be a second behind Shawshank. I thought which it was, was very good. Which was also a box office flop. Was it, what, Shawshank Redemption? Yes. Was it really? It was. I didn't know. An that. absolute flop. Yeah. And it only came to light uh, once they, they brought it out on On, on DVD. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I read the yeah. book many years ago, uh, Stephen King book, and it was called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, right. And I remember thinking, this would make a great movie. Really? Yes, I'm glad he listened to me. Maybe you should write, you know. <laughs> that means that yours will be okay. <laughs> well, we've got Stan on You board, shouldn't so. be so hard on yourself. I'm glad you, maybe you should have put me in it. You should have had me in it. It would have been all right. Uh, what about your favourite book? Uh, probably Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. There I, you go. I, I was a big fan of Stephen King. Um, I, I read a lot. Uh, I'm just, I just finished uh, a book book called California uh, scheming California scheming it's about these two Scottish guys that pretend to be American rappers in London so they can get a break as rap artists in London and they managed to convince the record industry and Sony BMG that they're actually American is this true is this yeah this is a true story oh wow and they're from Huntington Beach in California wow. and they they actually convince the bosses at Sony to write to give them two hundred twenty thousand dollars to make an album, so they're not with that. They've got talent, but no one wants to hear Scottish rappers. And uh, they went for a, a few years before they went for a little A and R meeting, and the guy said, "What are you guys the the rapping pl- proclaimers? That sounds terrible. No one likes Scottish rappers." This is around the time when Eminem was yeah. on the way up, and they they fooled the American record industry. I mean, the English record industry. Wow, mm. that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good book. Yeah, that sounds it sounds like a movie. I'll be honest with you. That's a good movie. Yeah, wouldn't it? That's so good. So you read a fair bit. Do you? I, I do. I we we interview a lot of people that um, write books, and we have them on the show. So I, I sort of go from biography to to like, and then I'm, I'm, then I'm reading a troop. I just started reading a like a, a like, like a, a thriller. Uh, I like Jeffrey Deaver. He he writes some pretty grisly stuff. You know when you. Like you might be reading Keith Richards' book, mm. which is kind of grisly in its own way, mm. and then you go into that and you go, "Oh, that's right. This is what Jeffrey Deaver writes about again." So, is there something you wish you were better at? Doing this, I wish I was better at doing You're this. Very good at no, this. No, I just wish I, I wish I always. I'm never happy with uh, radio. And really, are you hard on yourself? I was going to. They question. said that to me today at work because oh. I just said because uh, you, you guys are the, like one of the most successful combinations, you know. Yeah, I always think it's just a bander. I always think, oh, if I did have a bander, I wouldn't be here. So it's that's like like Ricky Gervais saying, it's with Stephen Merchant, it was both of them them playing off each other. Yeah, and I I do. I I love when Mm. people say that, but it's terrible because when someone says something nice, I never accept it. If something says something bad, I kind of... I don't take it to heart. I'll defend it, and then I'll later I'll go. Oh yeah, maybe they're right. You know, that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That. Why? Why do you think that is? Why? Why do? Why do you? Um, I don't know. Like for me, uh, I I don't know what it is. I, I you know people might say you didn't get enough approval from your your parents or, or is, it, is that like something that, that rings true? I think my, like my mum was pretty hard on us when we were kids. Like all, all she ever did was yell at us. You know, mm. and, and 
whenever I remember my childhood, it was always, get out of the house and, you know, what are you doing? It was always like you couldn't sit still. Mm. If we're sitting still now, she'd be like, what are you doing? You boys sitting around, go and move some tiles, you know, go wow. and, or go and mow a lawn. So there was a constant, you know, it was, uh, there was a state of anxiety. Anxiety, yeah. Around yeah. the house. So, Are you an anxious person? No, you know? no, no. I, no, ironically, no, I'm not, not anxious. Uh, but I, I think I'm good with stress. It all just, you know, goes through my system. Because it, someone asked me the other day, can you accept the compliment? How do you accept the compliment? And I find myself always, if someone said, Jace, how are you? You're good at this or this mm. and that, and oh no, no, you know, it's like, and it's and I and I thought about it again. I thought I, it's actually false humility. It's not really humility. Just to, to humility is probably just to say thank you and oh that I appreciate that and they actually yeah. receive the compliment. But the false humility kicks in when you say oh no, no. But deep down you do think it probably you do you do, you do have a, I think there's a, a, a it's weird. You know, it depends if I'm up against it at work. You know, say. Uh, the bosses have some dopey idea for the show and that, that's when I know that I have faith in our show and I said, well, look, if you guys don't want the show, we'll just we'll take it somewhere else. You know, we'll just... Uh, and mm. oh, no, no, no. And mm. I've, it's always, for me, always putting your balls on the line a bit and I've always done that. I've never um, compromised what I've wanted to do. Like, I've worked at other networks, uh, for example, Osteria, when I worked with them and they would have been quite happy for me to fade into the background and just be one of those nameless anchors. You know when you hear an old stereo show, you know, you'll hear it on Triple M or Two Day, there's the talent. So it'd be Jonesy and Jace, or yeah. actually be Big Jace Place and Jonesy, <laughs> and there'd be some guy that doesn't get a mention. And he'd say, welcome back to Big Jace's Place and Jonesy at 6.26. And then we'd start talk. we'd be the talent talking about, uh, and poor old mate over here, he doesn't get a Guernsey. Yeah, and I, right. it's, it's, it's a... They, I think they would have liked in those days for me just to be that. That I, I would love to talk to you a bit later about how you then propelled into the next, into the next. Oh, that's a, that, that's that's the yeah, that's the. I'm still trying to do it. <laughs> I think you've done it well. Is there a person from history you'd love to have met? Um, you know, Captain Cook. I'd like to have met Captain Cook. Really? Yeah, just to you know, because he had a very tolerant wife. He'd you know, he had about six kids. And he'd go away on a sea voyage for six years and then he'd come back and, and two of the kids would be dead, you know, because they were brutal, <laughs> brutal times. Where's Timmy and Johnny? Oh, well, they died. Oh, well, here's the thing. I discovered Papua New Guinea. What's for dinner? <laughs> I actually read a, a good article by, um, oh, gosh, he's, he's a great rugby union player. Oh, Peter Fitzsimons. Peter Fitzsimons recently. Yeah, he, knows, he knows Captain oh, Cook. Oh, yeah, because he's written a book on, on, yeah. that, on that landing. Jesus mm. was insightful. It was so yeah. insightful into because I'm I'm a bit oblivious to really what happened. I, I've been learning more because I've yeah. I've got Indigenous friends and they're very passionate about it. And I've been learning more about that and and really what what happened. Well, it's curious, isn't it? Because when he came into uh, Botany Bay, I mean, we're looking at it right. I know it's extraordinary, and that's what that's what I think about. I just it's crazy. It's a beautiful, beautiful view. And when he came into Botany Bay. Well, he was trying to get out of Botany Bay to get over to Port Jackson because they heard that there was a, a better harbour. And the French, meantime, were outside Botany Bay trying to get in. And I don't know if you've ever been out there in a big sea uh, between Botany Bay and La Perouse, but it is, it's, it's just impossible. And so they couldn't get out, the French couldn't get in. So Australia Day, you know, really uh, would have been a bit earlier than what it... You know, this, this was... Um, not Captain Cook, by the way, this was... Uh, uh, What's his name? 
you know, other guy that discovered it. Oh. This is my. Uh, I sound like I'm doing Flinders, drunk. Not Flinders, no, not no, Basil Flinders. I think it was I'm Philip. I'm, I'm confusing oh, them yeah, too. Because yeah, yeah. okay. um, Cook came here in 1770, and then uh, 1777 history class. I've forgotten now. Oh gosh. Oh curses. I, it was It'll all in my brain. Sorry, someone. All, you know. Um, what about the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Well, I think everything. Everything I did. My, my dad was very good. He, he was an airline pilot, so he'd be away a lot. So I wouldn't see him, you know, for three weeks. And this is back in the days when they'd fly to cool places like Tahiti and the Bahamas and stuff like that. And he'd go for three weeks and he'd come back. So mum would yell at us for that whole time. So anything would upset, you know. But there was a... I rolled a grass roller. I didn't do it on purpose, but into a, a person's house uh, on the local oval. I was sitting on the oval and we're sitting on this big roller that rolls the cricket pitch. And one of the guys said, oh, I wonder you know, if we can move it. We started to move it. And then I wonder if we can roll it over to here. So we rolled it over to there. And then we thought, I wonder if we can roll it into this toilet block. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. And we put it up the hill and we aimed for the toilet block and missed the toilet block and I went down the hill through the gates, out onto the road, hit oh. the curb on the other side. And I remember one of the guys saying, oh, it's okay, it'll stop on the gutter. But it got that much momentum, it actually bounced. So it probably weighed, I don't know, probably five, 600 kilos. It bounced a foot off the ground and went into this guy's house and hit the carport. Did you ever see the show F Troop? Yes. You know when the, the, oh, yeah. the, yes. the lookout would fall down? Yes. It was like that. The, the just carport just went, bunk. Onto the guy's car, just bonk. I've never run so fast in my life. We ran across the oval. And then minutes later, a guy came out with a towel around him. He's a night shift worker. He just finished a hard day's work. He's having a shower, about to have a sleep. <laughs> and he's come across, and he just, every bit of language under the sun, sees this roller running onto the field. And one of the guys in the group said, oh, you know what I'll do is I'll go over and I'll, I'll get some intel, see what's happening. He goes over to get this so-called intel, just rats us all out. Oh, so you're Just caves me. straight away. <laughs> it was us. It was, it was us. us. It was him, him and him. <laughs> he did a deal. He, he did a deal. He said, I'm going to And he didn't even negotiate. He just sold us out straight away. But luckily, oh for, well, luckily for us, we got not got away with it because I, I felt so guilty about it. I felt really bad about it. And what we did say was we were sitting on it and we were rocking it about and it just got away from us because it was already sort of slightly on a hill. The fact that it was grown into grass and it had been there for a thousand years and hadn't moved, escaped everyone. Did you have to pay? No. That? So we went up to, uh, I went to De La Salle in Caringbar here and this was back in the days when they beat the hell out of you as soon as look at you. And um, we had to wait for uh, Father, Brother Killian, I think it was, who was particularly uh, scary. And he had us outside our office and I remember going in uh, for the meeting with him and he, he got us each for our story and all of us said pretty much that we're all sitting up and we're just rocking and rolling and I said rocking and he goes rock and roll was it and I went yeah and I didn't see the humour or anything the air sucked out of the room it was so and then he said okay well we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch boys and then oh. there was no strap to be had because they used to give you the strap oh yeah and there was no strap to be had and then that night I went I was at home and I went to go to bed. And my dad, this is what I used to love about my dad, he used to play the piano. So he'd sit in the uh, room just playing the piano with a smoke dangling out of his mouth. And I, I was up in the room and I'm just listening to the piano and I, just, I couldn't sleep and I went downstairs and I said, look, you know, and he goes, what's the matter, mate? And I said, well, if, 
you know, I did something and it was bad and, you know, but then Brother Killian said it was all right. And he said, well, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, the, and it's like he's completely forgotten about the roller thing. And I said, the roller. And you remember the whole thing you were called up to the school for? Oh, the roller thing. And he goes, yeah. And he said, well, mate, it wasn't your fault. Everyone's, it, it was the council's fault. Don't worry about it. Go to sleep. And it That's was that moment dad, I thought... Mate. That's a good dad. And that was it. There was no... That's a good dad. You know, yeah, yeah I, I, have, I have latent <laughs> regret about it. And I go past that guy's house as well. But it was... And, and it looked a lot worse than it was as well. The carport was just one... You know, it was just one pole that needed replacing. And it didn't... It landed on the roof racks of his old Falcon. So it didn't actually hit the car. Oh, so too funny. Now, do you have a pet hate? <sighs> I think... Not really. I'm very tolerant. I think when people say 100% a lot, I think that's, you know, <laughs> you know people say that. Oh, don't watch the footy. Then. No, that footy. The footy, the footy players. Every, do they not have 100%. any other words? Can't they rotate around a bit more? What's the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Probably patience. I'm getting better as I get older. Yep. I'm, I'm more patient. I was, I was, when I was younger, I was really just fly off the handle. You know, I'm just I'm just more patient. It's still, I, I, I take a breath now, nice. you know, and I'll be with inanimate objects. You know, I'll be working on a motorbike part or something, or you know, and 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 I'll strip a nut, and I'll, or I'll rush into something, and then I'll wreck it and make it worse. So I've, I, it's just being patient. Where did you get your love for for bikes? Was it? I well, I got hit by one when I was a kid, when I was five. Oh, that's in a Melbourne. <laughs> a lady on a BMW cleaned me up. And uh, after that, it was. I, I grew up in a time in Sydney when everyone had a trail bike, but you couldn't. You could. I mean, no one had a trail bike, but there was plenty of places to ride them. And the people that did have them, you'd the, every afternoon you see some yee, kid riding up the road on a mini bike, and you could. And the cops didn't really care. You could ride because there wasn't heaps of them. Yeah. These days, every kid's got a trail bike, but there's nowhere to ride them. Mm. So there's. And I didn't learn to ride until I was, you know, it was later in life. Till I was about nineteen. Uh, that's when I first ma- mastered riding a motorbike. Have you had any big pranks? Yeah, yeah, I've had yeah more than I and yeah, I'd, and I, that's what I do have. I'm getting better at not having accidents. You but know. sometimes I mean, because in the wet weather, like it's. it's oh, still, I, no. look, I think anyone that tells you that no, it, it, I've not got a clue. But like, I think every motorcyclist deep in their heart knows that it did come down to them, even if a car cuts you out off. You know, and that's happened to me many times. But you, you, you just have to be so aware. You have to. You can't switch off. You can't. You can't just like in a car. You just got to be aware of everything. And, and you got to think ahead. You got to go. Oh, this is going. Is he going to do a right hand turn in front of me? I think he is. I think yes, he's going to. So you slow down, and that's what I find with that. Every time I've had an accident, even though the law has said, "Oh, the car was at fault," hmm. it's been me that's been part at fault because I wasn't paying attention. Do you ride to work? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you do. Oh. Yeah, I ride. I just I don't drive. I don't like driving cars. So. So that's a good. That's a, what's a good thirty, forty? Is it forty k's from yeah from wow. here? Yeah. But in the morning, I guess it, you're. Oh, you're it's up. good. What time are you up? Uh, so I get up at three twenty-five, and I'm usually that's on the road by ten to four, and then I get I get I get to work at about quarter past. It doesn't take me long. How do you go? Like how do you, how does obviously you you're used to it, mm. but energy wise, do you do you, have you you're just in a rhythm now or? Yeah, I'm a morning person. I think I'm a. When I first started doing breakfast radio, it was very hard. I remember waking up and thinking I was going to throw up 
It was yeah. so early, and you just sat. At, I sat at the end of the bed, and I thought, "Oh my god, how do how do people do this? It's so, it's so hard." Um, if you can make it past three months, then I think you can do it for forever. But how did you make your your transition from that from Osterio to yeah. to to maybe not? Well, I was curious. I had uh, I was working at Triple M doing daytime radio. And, and this was back in the day when daytime radio was kind of a big deal. If you're on daytime radio, you were, you know, a bit of a star. And uh, I used to go on after Stuart Cranny, so, who just recently passed away. And Cranny had been on Triple M for a 1,000 years. So when I got the call up from Triple M Brisbane, where I was working, to come down to Sydney to do 12 to 4, it was like being called up for first grade. Wow. It was like, you know, this is where Doug Morrow worked. This is, you're going to be there, Andrew Denton, Amanda Keller doing the breakfast show, and you're going to be one of their colleagues, Club Veg in the drive show. And I remember doing that and just loving it. And I would have been happy to do that for the rest of my life. But then something happened, a few things happened. Um, Firstly, the technology changed. So back in the old days, we had like a desk and you still had CD players and and all that stuff and reel-to-reel tapes. So the real skill about being on radio was actually how good you could get all that stuff together, how good you could play that CD and put a cart with some ads on it or a little sweeper, the little Triple M sweeper, and then talk and and do all that. Uh, the technology got so much so that you don't have to do that anymore. It does, mm. it, does it all itself. Mm. So yeah, that became almost made the daytime announcer irrelevant. The other thing was the rise of Big Brother. So kids on, they became the new stars. TV chefs, or so chefs suddenly became. I remember there was a time when in the newspaper in the early 2000s, all they'd write about is chefs and real estate agents. And I thought, hang on a minute, I'm in the wrong game. <laughs> you know, I, I did a TV pilot show once, and I forgot what it was called. It was, and I've done a million TV pilots, but there was this one that was called Chef versus the Neighborhood. And they wanted me as a, a judge on the show. And it was pretty much like family food fight, more or less. They wanted me as a judge, and Luke Mangum was the host. So I'm a judge who I, I cook, but I know nothing about food. Mm. Luke Mangum, who is a chef, he's hosting the TV show. So we're sitting there, and I'm watching him, and it's taking ages because Luke's not a host. <laughs> All due respect, he's yeah, a yeah. chef. No, he's a chef yeah. And I'm watching him just fluff the lines and stuff, and I said, ah. And it's getting late, and I know that this pilot's never going to go to air. No one's going to like it because it's terrible. <laughs> and so I said, "Hey, what about? Why don't we? Here's something for. Why don't I just do the the thing for Woolworths, the the thing here?" And they said, oh, "Okay, let's give it a run." So I do it one take, and they go, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's a." And then the lady goes, "You know, maybe you should host this." And I said, "Yeah, I think it's probably a bit late now, isn't it? <laughs> We've been here for six hours." And my daughter, who was about eight at the time, I brought her along because she liked cooking and stuff. And I said, "There'd be pizza." And we're driving home in the car, and she said, "I said, well, that, when will that be on TV, Dad?" And I said, "That will never, never see be. the light of the day. <laughs> we'll never hear about it again." <laughs> now, I mentioned earlier that you, you've uh, look, mate. You've had such, and it'll it'll just keep going on and on. You guys have just got such an incredible chemistry, you and Amanda. But you've also dabbled in in the. In the world of acting and the fat pizza, is, are you, you going to be in the risk? In the yeah, I'm supposed to be doing it. This I was supposed to be playing the role of the premier this weekend. Oh, awesome! But they've moved it to the following weekend. Okay, so. mm. that's going to be on seven. Yeah, two? Se- I think it's on seven, mate. Seven, mate. Okay, <laughs> seven sixty-one. Okay. Okay. Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy the? I do. I, I do like acting. It's not, it's not bad. I don't, I don't think I'd leave all what I have to to do it. Yeah, but it's, a, oh. it's another string to the bow. It's oh, hard. absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's um oh mate, I mean when you've got a when you've got a fantastic gig like yours, to be honest with you, like you, you it's the you gotta keep the main thing the main thing, don't yes. you think? Yeah. Well I've often and there's often stuff that comes up in and around it. Oh, there's always stuff. There's always you know, once a year there'll be you know, I get a call, oh mate, we want you to come in for this show, we'll do that. And uh, and I'll say, you know, and you, and you go along and it invariably never happens. And, and I've, I actually said, I, I just don't want to do it anymore. Uh, I've said to them, you know, my agents, unless it's guaranteed it's going to happen, then mm. it's not, I just, I, I'm 52. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's I'm, I'm, I've been auditioning for stuff or screen uh, testing for stuff. I remember the first one I did was in 1999. Wow. And it's the only one I got. And it was with uh, Lisa Wilkinson for a TV show on Channel 7, a morning show. But they wanted me to leave the radio for it. Oh. And I just, I, I said, I can't, I can't leave, I can't leave the radio no, for TV. No. I, I love radio. And they said, and, they, and I remember they, they wanted to match the money and, and all that stuff. And I said, no, it's radios. I mean, this is my life. Mm. I can't. I can't risk it, and that—that that was the last one I got. So that was 1999. Well, so what are we now? So it's—it's—it's it's, it's almost embarrassing. It's 21 years. So yeah, it's 21 years. What would you do if you weren't doing this? I was going to ask. I like to drive a crane. I think driving one of those cranes. <laughs> yeah, you know, those big cranes you see. You serious? I love those cranes. Oh really? Know? Yeah. Or a bobcat opera. You know what? I, you know what I do is I buy a tipper and a bobcat, and then I'd be one of those guys that has his name painted on the side. Jonesy's junk, I probably wouldn't put that, but Jonesy's removals or Jonesy's excavations, and you'd go around and build sites. It. You'd do it for a week, mate, and you'd be over it. You I, I did work on building sites. It's hard, Yakka. I, oh, I it's know hard. That. But oh, I've it's always... Hard. I had to go with a bobcat once, and I thought, this is the greatest thing in the world. I often think, you know, for, for, for play, I see a lot of rugby league players just dwindling their money, and I think... Go and go and build. Go and do something for, for just for two weeks. I think yeah. Melbourne Storm are good like that with their juniors. They they get them out and they go. This is what this is yeah. what real work is. And and you don't know how good you got it. So you know. Do you really it. need that full body tattoo? <laughs> how about instead of tattooing your tattooing your neck? Hey mate, it's been so good chatting with you. You too. Uh, before we finish, I've yep. got a little game, uh, a little segment called True or False. So you know yep. you can tell me a story and I'll okay. decide if it's true or false. Right. And then I'll, I'll do the same. Okay. Do, oh, do you want oh, to lead? Oh, okay, well, I'll lead. I'll lead. For, oh, I'll right, lead. yeah, I was waiting for you. Yeah. I, was, I was playing uh, uh, with the Aussie team in Wellington, a uh, very windy city. And speaking of wind, I actually had a lot of wind that game. I was so bloaty and uh, I was, I don't know what it was, I wasn't feeling well. And, and during uh, one of the scrums, Bill Harrigan was the referee and I let one go and it was so bad that Bill Harrigan stopped the game, <laughs> moved the scrum five metres. He goes, mate, I can't, I can't deal with that. I can't. <laughs> true or false? That has to be true. <laughs> that true. has to be true. I believe that. <laughs> did he actually remove, did he move the scrum? He moved the oh. scrum five metres. He goes, mate, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. And he was like. <laughs> Imagine the commentary now on that. They'd have the bunker. You'd have to go to the bunker for that. <laughs> All I remember is looking at because Danny Bedeiris was the hooker at the time, oh, and he was just—he face was red. The poor guy. What were you eating? I put him through. There's a lot. I eat a lot. Yeah, I know, but and know. you're out in the open. Do you you're know? Out, I know it's a windy city too. Yeah, Wellington's a bit. It, like, this ground is like ANZ Stadium. It was huge. It was it's huge. Like, it's like doing a fart on a motorcycle and being able to smell it. You know, <laughs> that's pretty potent. <laughs> 
That's a potent formula. It wasn't well. We no. won the game. Though. You won the game. What about yourself? Uh, so once I uh, went over to Ireland to interview you two. Wow. And uh, I was in their offices on the River Liffey and I was standing there in the, the, the room and the lady, Candida, that was running the place, she said to me, um, she said, oh, the, 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 they'll be coming down in a minute, the fellas. So I started going through all the, the records and she said, uh, this guy came over and he's talking to me and, he, and I just thought he was a journo doing an interview with, the, uh, with you too. And I was going through these records, just flicking through, and I said, hey, check this out. And one of the records was music from German, German pornographic films. That's just a record. <laughs> I said, what a bunch of weirdos. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. And he goes, anyway, nice to meet you. And then the lady comes over and she says, I see you've met Larry. It was Larry Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> from, from U2. That is true. That's yeah, true. That's true. That's, yeah. true. that's an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah, so what was that like in interviewing I was man? great. Because uh, they have this office uh, and it's right next door to the River Liffey and it's, and it's like in an industrial area. So there's a cement factory next door and you go into this building, it's covered in graffiti but it's got this door that opens. And so we got picked up in this car from our hotel, go straight in, the door closes, the lights come on, it's like James Bond. Wow. Go, and there's this giant lair. It's U2's offices and this massive open warehouse and a massive, like this giant artwork on the wall uh, I can't remember the artist, but it looked very expensive. Mm. And we just hung out there. So it was just me and the band. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm in the kitchen and the Edge is standing there and Bono says, oh, would, do you want a coffee? And he just called me Jones. Well, not Jonesy or Brendan. Jones, want a coffee? And I go, yeah, sure, sure. And he goes, what do you have? And I just, I just, um, just coffee with, you know, milk, white, that's fine. So he's got a polystyrene cup, you know, and... And he's got it in the, you know, making the coffee. Instant? Yeah, instant, instant coffee, just oh. chunk, chunk. And, and he's talking to the Edge. And uh, Edge says, hey, Bono, you know, you're, you're a bit dusty today. And he says, yeah, I got on the piss last night with, um, with Stipey. And I'm sitting there going, oh, he's talking about Michael Stipe. I said, what a, mate, what a name dropper. Wow. And then I'm thinking, well, hang on, it's Bono, you know. <laughs> That's right. Who's he, who else is he going to hang out with? <laughs> but that was so nice. I really uh, – and then the record company lady, the, the, guy, uh, the lady came up to me and she said, oh, can you not um, – after this, you know, don't encourage them to drink. If they ask you where you're staying, don't say, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going out for some beers," you know, because you, you, you're Australian, you probably will, because there's a good chance I'll probably say, "Oh, we'll come we'll along, come with you. we'll wow. come with," or you know, because they hadn't seen each other for ages. They were into, and we had the the interview was really good. It was just, it was there was a lot of chemistry, and it was it was quite um, a relaxed chatty interview and also they had a great album they had the album All That You Can't Leave Behind which is a really it's a good great album mm. so it was a little disappointed with the instant coffee though if I'm going to be if you go to Ireland and you're going no, to meet it was, two, it was 2001 so it was before oh, so was, it was before the, the, the big the baristas and the home machine I, I would say that he'd have one of those pods now he'd have at least uh, you, he probably could afford a machine I, I'd that, say he could afford <laughs> well he upgraded my flight on the way back did he really yeah so we're sitting there and he said so uh, you know uh, when do you uh, go back to work. And I said, Monday. And he said, oh, I got it Saturday, today. And I said, yeah, I know. And he said, what are you going to get? He's got one of those beds that uh, are, are, are horizontal. And I said, well, you don't really get that in an economy. And he said, what, they, they flew your, uh, feck, they flew your economy. And then he's yelling at people. And uh, I didn't think much of it. And then I get a call. And the strange thing was, before I left, I didn't, I, I put uh, mobile roaming on my, my phone. And I'd never, I didn't think I was going to do it or need it. 
But I just thought, because my wife was pregnant at the time with our youngest, and I thought, oh, I'll take, I'll get the mobile roaming, roaming just in case. And so I'm in this pub having a beer, and my phone rings. I'm like, hello, and it's the Candida. And she said, oh, look, Bono wants to upgrade your flight. Um, so wow. can you give me your flight details? And they paid for it. It Isn't wasn't like nice? just a, they Isn't used nice? their thing. And that's, that's a great story. He's a humanitarian. He that's helps so out good. little starving kids and me. And you. So I get good rest. <laughs> So I can enjoy it. Mate, what a great way to finish. Thanks, Jonesy. I love it. Can we get a crowd? Oh, hang on. (laughs) Loving it. And (laughs) And now we're back. And we're back and we are out.